the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Hi, I'm Frank. I don't like change. And I just saw a billboard for this new BJ's Wholesale Club talking about up to 25% off grocery store prices. Oh, really? What's wrong with paying full price, huh? No, sir. I would not join BJ's Wholesale Club. Let's agree to disagree, Frank. Say you do want to sign up to get a $40 digital BJ's gift card. Join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in New Albany. Visit BJ's.com slash New Albany or the BJ's Membership Center on North Hamilton Road. Limited time offer, new members only. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Hi, Matt. It's Ron. You guys, please forgive me for interrupting. I didn't mean to break into your uh, no, not at all. conversation. Pineapple we, pizza? We, we, Channel 4, I, I'm flipping back and forth, and um, Kyle Rittenhouse um, acquitted on all charges, in oh, case yeah. you guys weren't aware or didn't know. Oh, yes, oh, absolutely. We know. Oh, we know. I wasn't following oh, okay. it, though, because uh, Dirk was saying how partisan it was. Yeah. I just wasn't following it. I didn't want to be triggered by it. I was having my... Uh, I, I just hope the uh, streets remain calm. I hate to see uh, something silly happen over this. Yeah, it. Uh, I I, I won't be particularly surprised either way if 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 there uh, if things do get uh, if there are. I mean, I I think there will be protests, but I, I I'm hopeful that there's no violence. Remember, he's. Yeah, going I, to... I hope uh, police presidents presidents is um you know well thought out in advance oh i'm sure i'm sure my mother lives in uh, kenosha wisconsin so uh, you know sure they have, i want her to be right? safe yeah they got the national guard ready i'm sure oh, yeah. on the swat and yeah no doubt teams. no doubt okay guys have a good weekend that was my uh two cents i didn't know if you knew it or not oh absolutely all right ron thank you for the call my friend good night all right bye-bye, bye-bye. Well, all right what do you think of the verdict you know i kind of wasn't uh following it that closely myself in terms of um i've been uh what i've been saying about it on the show and actually and actually on other shows that i've been on too talking about it is that i whenever we have a case like this i i tend to not worry so much about you know the court you know the laws are different in every state when it comes to guns and self-defense and and all of that And, and so it gets very complicated so i tend to say well you know the 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 jury will decide, but um, and that but is I, but the I, foundation of well, our yes. society, which is based on law. It is the jury, right? So, so when we're talking about these, although I do have some sp- more precise thoughts regarding the other big trial that's going on right now, oh, um, yeah. Ahmad Arbery. I think I think that's real that, vigilante. I think that's that's cre- clearly vigilantism. Yes, a lynching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, no, but I so I grapple with the larger question here. Whenever a case like this is presented, and that is, what is the responsibility of, well, look, if you're in a situation where it's kill or be killed, but you're the one who put yourself in that situation knowing you are going into, you know, a a scenario where that might be the case, where it's kill or be killed, 
How much of the responsibility is on you as the person who put yourself in that situation versus how much responsibility is it on the other people who are now a danger to you because you put yourself in that situation? And that's what I struggle with. Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. I think that's the one thing that everybody can agree on. Was there a curfew? He, he should not. Yes. And he violated it. Correct. No. Nope. So in, th- in theory, no one should have been there legally because there was an established curfew. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. So, you know, if you just look at it that way, you might say, okay, well, he's guilty then because he put himself in that situation. On the other hand, he was there um and other people were attacking him and he felt that his life was in jeopardy so he was defending himself well if you look at it strictly on that then you would say well he's not guilty of anything he was defending himself it's self-defense because of the laws of the state of wisconsin right but uh, but that's not what i'm talking i'm just talking about in a larger just morally and ethically in a broader sense when you put yourself in a situation where you should know that this is a possibility let me give you another example so uh, I go back to Trayvon Martin when he was killed by George Zimmerman. So on the one hand, um, Trayvon, when he got to his home after being stalked, and I do you know, call it stalking, by Zimmerman, Trayvon, he should have just gone inside. He should not have uh, turned around and gotten into an altercation with Zimmerman. So he's yes. on, he's on top of Zimmerman. He's pummeling him. Zimmerman thinks he's about to be pummeled to death, so he shoots him in self-defense. So if you look at it that way, well, Zimmerman's not guilty. But who created the scenario? Well, Zimmerman did. Zimmerman, Zimmerman should not have been stalking him to begin with. Zimmerman was told by law enforcement on the phone, do not follow him. Uh, Zimmerman shouldn't have just been following the kid, and he was a kid. Just and be- he was a kid. Just because, oh, there's a black kid wearing a hoodie at the apparently very late hour of 7 p.m. in my neighborhood. Oh, he's, he's up to something. i got to follow him. Zimmerman should not have been doing that to begin with. Uh, it shouldn't have been harassing him that way. So Right. And- so ultimately, now we know who the jury decided legally was at fault. They, they acquitted Zimmerman. But I grapple with the larger question morally and ethically. Uh, Zimmerman created the, the conditions for that to happen. Yes. Um, but then again, regardless of whether or not he created those conditions, and he clearly did, but then Martin, what is what is he supposed to do yeah. when Trayvon Martin is on top of him, pummeling him? Is he supposed to just allow himself to be beaten to death? Well, of course not. So I, this is what I grapple with, John. I grapple with this larger question about personal responsibility and who's responsible for what in these uh, situations. And and so I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that with Rittenhouse. Like I said, Ahmaud Arbery, I have much more... That seems... Uh, that's, that seems much more concrete to me. Yeah, of course. Of course. Some people, I think, though, they um, they think of it... They try to think of these things the way that I think of them in ways... In, in uh, situations where it's not appropriate to. For example, the death of George Floyd. That's as cut and dry as it gets to me. We all saw him, George Floyd, being murdered on video, and yet there are people who will say, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have been in that situation. He shouldn't have tried to try to pass that counterfeit 20 or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, okay come on. Right, this is pretty clear cut. Passing counterfeit money isn't a death sentence. Right. And as a, a law enforcement uh, uh, officer whose friend of mine said, once it's, you're disabled somebody with a hold, 
once they're disabled, it's over. You're supposed mm-hmm. to stop immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the standard operating procedure. Right. I right. mean, when you're in the Army, there are, it's hard to believe that there are rules of warfare or what you can and can do. Mm-hmm. But there are. There are, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that's um, so that's where I am with it. I, I just kind of said with Rittenhouse, I just kind of said, well, you know, the jury will decide. But it is interesting, though. The laws are so different from state to state, the gun laws and 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 what is your right to, you know, how far does your right to self-defense go? Do you have to meet uh, the aggressor with proportionate, uh, you know, right. aggression to defend yourself or can you go beyond that? Do you have a right to, re- I mean, do you have a duty to retreat, I should say? Some or, states. Or, or can you stand your ground? You know, it's it, it varies wildly and it's, I, uh, and clearly um, you could take this trial that happened in Wisconsin, you could go to any other state with it and you might have a different outcome based, you know, all, oh, yeah. all other things being equal, the prosecutors, the jury, the judge, everything, all other things being exactly the same, but in another state, you might have a completely different outcome because the laws are so disparate, uh, so disparate between the states. Right. You couldn't have a long gun, uh, like Rittenhouse on a street in New York or Massachusetts. Yeah. Because of much stricter gun control laws. Yeah. Or even California over the last, somewhat odd years yeah you remember what i told you once about the street the logic Uh, this Mm. isn't about people wearing shorts either street logic is that a hip-hop group i thought that was the band that you were in street logic no amongst people that make their living on the street once you put on a gun or a weapon oh yes you've given yourself a death sentence because they're going to consider you're going to kill them so to put on, uh, to bear an arm, we're not talking about the police, mm-hmm. who probably do have no, no street logic. And we're not talking about uh, Joe Sixpack or the militia uh, yahoos. We're talking about people on the street. The demimond, the criminal element. You, put, you, you bear a gun, you've passed a death sentence on yourself. It's uh, similar to what James Jones said about what it's like in World War II to get through basic training and get through your training. You've entered onto the rolls of the dead. Now, you might survive, but you've gone right. beyond the veil. Now they're going to throw you into Guadalcanal or Tarawa. So based on that, then would you say from your perspective that Rittenhouse... He was, uh, I think, because a, he had the gun. He was a very provocative act. He was looking. Yeah. He was looking to kill somebody. There's little doubt in my mind. Really? Of course. You think so? <laughs> You're armed with a gun. Like you going out like that. He's he was looking to kill somebody. Wasn't there a, a bit of a videotape that got disallowed? I'm not sure because he was going to go out, you know, I wasn't, I I wasn't following that. Yeah. I wasn't following closely enough to know that really. You really really think though. So, so you, you, you think there was premeditation with a a rifle, with an armed, with that type of weapon. He did have an assault rifle. Did he not? It's an AR-15. It's an assault rifle. Okay. You know know more about guns than I do. Yeah. Civilian, uh, uh, version of the M-16 I had as a soldier. You're right. he, he, that, he's out hunting. He's out to kill somebody. You don't think he went there just to uh, because he wanted to be part of the action in terms of defending businesses you mean and all action, that? right? Well, oh, how how do you defend Matt by killing somebody by shooting somebody when you have a uh, when you're armed 
you have made the statement that I'm willing to kill somebody. And the other thing about street logic, I forgot that. Unless you're willing to drop that hammer and kill, don't have a weapon because mm. somebody will take it right away from you. And, you know, this other thing, there's more graphic language like stick it up your or they'll kill you with it. Mm-hmm. But they'll take it away from you. Any fool that has a weapon that's armed that doesn't intend to use it, you're a damn fool. Mm. You are literally a damn fool. But you don't go out armed. Defend stuff. He, is he a, is he sworn? Well, how old was he? Was he in the military? No, he said was he in the militia. Seventeen, a real militia, not you know. Seventeen. State. I'm not defend. You understand? I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that must though. have had something to do with the jury too. If but he's just seventeen. But I would not. Well, yeah. But I would not have. Uh, see, I would not say you don't. You got. You don't play with guns, right? But you're. I would not presume premeditation. Uh, so someone can't take a gun in a situation like that. And just say, well, you know, I, I want to be a cowboy. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and cowboy stand in, do. Yeah, but but you have people in these scenarios standing in, in front of businesses. Hell, it happened here and, in it happened here in Manchester right, on South Willow why, Street. Uh, they, yeah, nobody nobody got shot, but, but so, they could have. They could have. Right. Now with this great example, well, that I do worry about. This great example, we had a mayoral candidate stand out there with him. I do. I I, I do worry about. Uh, you see what you're saying is people. I don't mean to say you're naive, but you are naive because well, I'm actually you just, don't go I'm, out with I'm, weapons. I'm, I'm, I'm actually just trying to explore different angles to, to have a discussion on a radio show, John. I'm not you, you 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 always do this. You assume that I that I'm taking a position when all I'm doing is trying to look at because from I, that, different perspectives. Because from my I am <laughs> uh, I'm taking the yeah. You're being the. Uh, I specifically said I'm not I'm not defending or condemning him. I'm just I'm trying to explore well, different angles here. Well, it's like I said, I didn't follow it closely enough to form a strong opinion, so I, I, I'm I, grappling with the larger question. I'm just, uh, I'm coming from where I was enculturated. Been around yeah. guns all my life. But, but. NRA, junior NRA. But I quit. Yeah. The assault ban. But people, people carry guns with no intention of actually using them unless it's what? necessary. People and care, what does people, it mean necessary? People what, carry guns for self-defense. What does that mean, necessary? Well, if you have to defend yourself from being killed, killing, killed yourself, killing somebody because you don't oh, yeah. you don't shoot. One of the other things is you shoot center mass. You don't shoot somebody in the leg or. Yeah. I mean, some of these. Uh, I hate to say it. I was watching one uh, video from last year. It was it didn't become a big controversy, but some kid had a gun. It's not the one you're probably thinking about where the kid comes out of that convenience store. It's in a neighborhood. And then the co- he just moves his, he's got a pistol, he moves his arm, and that cop shoots him right center mass. Mm-hmm. Not in the head, because you might miss. You shoot right towards the solar plexus. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You shoot to kill. Shooting to wound is in movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, getting shot and then just getting up and shaking things off. I mean, any guy that's been in a real a fist fight or anything, it hurts for a long time. Of course, of when course. When they break your nose or they smash you in the ribs, there's four months of sleeping on your other side. Oh, yeah. But, you know, in the movies, they're just such a... You know, that's one of the things about... Uh, well, Clockwork Orange is so highly stylized. It's all shot with very short lenses to actually distort stuff. But, you know, Kubrick, this is 71. This is the first violence that's being shown on the screen. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde was 67 that used squibs to show blood 
Then uh, you had the Wild Bunch, which, which, you know, with the massacre as the climax, all sorts of squirting blood. And then, you know, that was a real shock in those times. They didn't show stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, they, cowboys would be shooting Indians and they'd fall off the horse. Do you ever wonder why Indians always just, they just go round and round and all get killed? It's like one Native American, I think it was Dennis Banks. <laughs> That's the movies. Nobody actually did that. But it's very cinematic. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They asked the great director, John uh, Ford, for Oscars. Uh, one of his contemporaries, it must have been Howard Hawks said at the stagecoach, why don't the Indians just shoot the uh, lead horse? He said, because then we'd only have a 10-minute long movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah. there's ideas about what this is yeah. and what's the real, uh, reality of violence. It's, uh, you know, it's it's there in A Clockwork Orange, although it's so uh, Everybody uh, uh, except for the uh, Padre... Well, even he's very arch, but I'm talking, you haven't seen the movie in a long time. And Alex is being conditioned to be physically sick by watching violent films. And one of the ironies in the movie says, oh, you know, the blood starts flowing like it's on tap and it's made by the same company. And it's only real when you're watching it on this big screen in the cine. Probably here's a guy that's beating me and, right. and watching it. It's more real to him than that. And he's saying to a woman psychiatrist after the first day of conditioning where it makes you physically sick and death-like paralysis, violence always used to make me feel so horror show, which means wonderful, great. Yeah. And this made me feel awful. Just, and this woman, you're getting better. Violence is terrible. You know, not <laughs> like she feels it. It's just something she's saying. Right, right. But violence is terrible. Yeah. That movie makes people, even to this day, Violent reactions to it. Yeah, it wasn't it's not supposed to be pretty, right? Although he's a ge- he was a genius, Kubert. So Dirk is in the chat room and said something, and this is um, what I was trying to articulate. Although I'm not sure I did, but I'll read what he said. Uh, there were others outside of Kenosha who openly had their rifles trying to defend businesses, just as Kyle did. Kyle was just in the unfortunate situation where he had people going after him. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that people uh, you could you can just go out and defend any place, even when the police tell you not to. I can just strap on a gun and 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 go and defend. That's called vigilanteism. That's vigilanteism. Just just standing guard. What you would call that vigilanteism? They were they were going after his house. They were going after his business. Oh, I see. Because Kyle. Had right. Well, again, I go back to. I think we all agree he, he was have been, hunting. He, he shouldn't have been there. He was hunting. It's you know Alex is fifteen years old in the novel, but since um, uh, Malcolm McDowell, who was in a great movie before three years called If, but Lindsay Anderson If, that's a great movie. People should see. Watch that before you watch a Clockwork Orange. He was twenty-seven years old, so they made Alex seventeen. Mm-hmm. To me, you know. I didn't realize watching it when I was a kid that he was supposed to be my age. I saw it when I was like oh, 16 really? yeah. or 17. Yeah. But Alex is 15 because most of your violence, including a lot of murders, like between kids that are like 18 and 28 or something, but even the, the cohort, the violence, like Trayvon Martin, he's young. I'm not going to back down. Right. I'm right, a man. Right. That's, you know, Alex is proving he's a man. I need to watch that again. 
it's a tough uh, thing to watch. Uh, Eric's uh, review of that made me want to watch it again, and then you talking about it as well. Because, like I said, I, I think I was like, uh, I think I was seventeen actually when I watched that. When a friend and I watched it, and I think we got about maybe maybe a quarter to a third into it, and and we were just like, uh, we were just kind of uncomfortable, and it's, uh, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be because what the woman says, violence is supposed to make you sick. Right, right. But see, in movies, they do aestheticize it. You know, mm-hmm. make it easy. Like uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I saw one of the movies, uh, Commando, where, you know, a grenade goes off and he goes up in the air. Then he just shakes shakes it off and then it goes back. I've seen, whereas, uh, uh, you know, somebody, a uh, grenade goes off, you use, you lose your legs, mm-hmm. you, lose, you lose your life or yeah. you lose your guts yeah. or whatever. But, uh, I mean... <laughs> when did when did they put a badge on him? Because in the old days, like a, a sheriff would swear, you know, put up your hand. Uh, I'm going to make you into a posse, right? Uh, right. Deputize, posse yeah. comitus, the, well, the law. Yeah, you know, you, you, I didn't know that. Uh, but once again, it's state law. Yeah, whether I can take on the uh, the the state power. Because when I grew up. When I went through university, the state, not just talking about the United States, but the states themselves, because the states traditionally have the exercise the police power mm-hmm. and they have a monopoly on violence, which included capital punishment. Although, you know, that was pretty uh, passe by the time uh, I grew up. But, uh, yeah, it's called suasive force violence. And the state has a monopoly on it for a good reason, right? So people don't start the killing people. Dirty Harry is a great movie. Uh, Pauline Kael, the great uh, critic, called it a fascist, uh, a fascist movie. She hated, loathed Clint Eastwood. But the second movie, which wasn't as good, where is about vigilantes and the police force, and they try to recruit Harry, who's you know Harry Callahan, shoot first, ask questions later, and he says, "No, I'm the, I won't join you guys." You know, where does it all stop? Yeah. Because they used to have uh, police death squads in Brazil. And, you know, there's allegations now they still have stuff like oh, that yeah. in various cities. Oh, yeah. But he says, so, you know, some your, na- your your neighbor's dog takes a crap in your yard and you shoot him. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've seen stuff like that. But Yeah. You know, this kid's going to have, have uh, is going to go through the civil system now, but, you know, he has no assets. Right, yeah. His I, life's yeah. destroyed. It's funny, I actually hadn't thought of that, but yeah, civil lawsuits. There's nothing they can get from him. Right. His well, AR-15. Well, well, what about his... Can they... Because he's a minor, can they go after his family in a civil suit? I, I don't know. Yeah. It depend on uh, the state. Yeah. Then the, then the uh, Justice Department can indict him for... Uh, was anybody... Uh, what was the color of the people he shot? Oh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, so that's... You the know. reason for that law was from the South, where they would indict some uh, cracker sheriff or something, lynching people, like the three guys in Philadelphia, Mississippi, Mississippi Burning, made mm-hmm. a fictionalized version of it. Yeah. And, uh, although a lot of it was true, and uh, they'd get off because the jury let them off. So then they'd hit them with federal law uh, charges, violation of civil rights. You see, here's the fact. When the United States was created, United States of America, they agreed that uh, D.C., which is Washington, D.C., where the federal government is located, 
capital of America, California and New York, would be the superior states, and that anybody else in the other states would just be a bunch of low-life dirtbags, and uh, not um, not be a part of what is happening, and it's been happening, that New York and California, Washington, are the places where the decisions are made, the economy decisions, anything that has to do with America, those three states are the states to be in. Chicago is an auxiliary as number four because they did quite a great job on building their city. down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Billy, is that you? Are you there? Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast. From Mickey D's? From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. I am. How you doing? Uh, I assume the uh, the landscapers have left. You said you had someone outside making a lot of noise. Uh, yeah, they're gone. Oh, good, 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 good. All right. Well, welcome to the show, my friend. And by the way, uh, we should mention. You know, I was on your program uh, late Friday night. I had, a, I had a long Friday. I was here for this show, and then Retrospectrum Radio with Paul E. C. And then I got to be on your show uh, from home uh, on my on my uh, on the Zoom on my new computer, actually, which was. Uh, which was nice on Outlaw Radio. Uh, really enjoyed that, and I did share that out. Actually, you shared it out as well, so uh, people can uh, give that a listen. But um, yeah, really enjoyed that a lot. And um, conversation. What's that? I'm sorry. That was a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We had a great time, and I like the uh, the other part too. The the shower thoughts. <laughs> that was, that, uh, uh, just Google shower thoughts and. Uh, It'll take you somewhere, whether it be Reddit or uh, on Twitter or wherever, you can read some very, very interesting things. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and some of them are literally true. 
They're just things that you would never have necessarily uh, thought of. Uh, were you not in a shower or at, at some uh, other point where you're um, just sort of your mind is uh, wandering? Um, so, uh, Billy, uh, what, what, tell us about this. Now, the, the subject that you wanted to discuss, I uh, previously have been faintly aware of. I have seen and heard things about this in media, about the, the farm murders in South Africa, but but only just bits and pieces. It's not something that America media really uh, is focused on. Maybe maybe there are corners of alternative media uh, in the United States that do, and that's probably where I've picked up bits and pieces of this over the years. But um, and there's probably international media that covers it. But I don't know much about this, and I did do a little bit of uh, reading up about it because I wanted to be uh, prepared for this discussion, and it's it's really. Uh, quite shocking to me the or the south african farm attacks apparently is is how they're uh officially referred to um yeah. but what what is this exactly billy well let let's start uh let's let's go to the very beginning of how i even got involved in this in the first place i am an activist for the people of south africa i work to uh, help bring awareness to these very violent and the most heinous crimes that I have ever, ever heard of that happened on a South African farm. Now, a lot of people might be wondering, how did I get involved in this in the first place? And that goes back to uh, my original podcast, the Badlands Combat Sports Radio Show, as to where, um, you know, I was, I was interviewing a lot of American fighters, a few of them that have fought in the UFC, a couple of professional boxers, and then uh, I talked to a buddy of mine who co-hosted with me a lot, and I said, let's look into the international market. Let's see what's out there. He said, let's get more sponsors before we do that. And I said, let's – and I'm like, no, we got to give it a shot. So there's a – you know, I looked at promotions in the U.K. I looked at promotions in Australia. And, of course, I knew about the promotion in out of Johannesburg. And so I, uh, I just – looked at the websites, looked at the champions, looked at the fighters, started sending out emails, you know, requesting interviews. And, and sure enough, the first one to get back to me was uh, the uh, African featherweight champion by the name of DeMart Pena. And and then he gave me his manager's number, and uh, I talked to her. And sure enough, uh, uh, it starts out... Uh, when the first South African fighter I have on my show, other than a gentleman who was who now lives in the UK, was uh, their middleweight champion, and I talked to him the day of his first title defense, oh. and and things snowballed from there. And uh, my co-host uh, later said uh, that I made the right call because after the interview with Gareth McClellan, who was the uh, middleweight champion but he lost the title that night. Uh, the sponsors started coming in. And then from there, I interviewed many, pretty much the whole roster of the uh, extreme fighting championships uh, that they have over in South Africa. And, and then one thing led to another is uh, shortly I quit doing uh, the Badlands combat sports radio show and focused more on outlaw radio and, uh, from there, you know, I started interviewing. I got into the musicians. One of the fighters over there had uh, 
connections to a rapper by the name of Jack Perro. And uh, I managed to get him on Outlaw Radio back in 2016. And then, you know, as I'm making more of these, a lot of these uh, people from South Africa are becoming good friends of mine. I'm I'm starting to find out, you know, there's there's a bad like almost you could say epidemic of xenophobia going on because, you know, you have people from Zimbabwe who uh, jump the border into South Africa. And of course uh, they, a lot of them end up getting themselves killed. So they have xenophobic attacks all the time. Uh, you know, um, they, they, and then they go after a lot of the Nigerians that, uh, you know, cause a lot of the Nigerians are, um, you know, they kind of, you can say that, uh, in the, in the streets of Johannesburg, Durban or Cape town, a lot of the Nigerians are the, uh, drug pushers, the pimps, uh, and you know, basically that kind of mob, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to insult them by saying all Nigerians, but oh, of, uh, course. They, of course, yeah, it's, it's basically like a, a Nigerian network of crime in, in, uh, South African cities though. Yeah. And you're and, and, and you're you're learning about all this just through these these interviews that you're doing with these fighters? No, no, no. I it's you know, I I built reports not just through I mean, I interviewed the fighters about their careers and Jack Perro more about his career. But then, you know, after the interview, you keep touched, Facebook messages, you talk, you know, and you start learning about what's going on in in their area and of course um, now this is, uh, back in the mid nineties, shortly after I was in high school, after Nelson Mandela took his presidency, there was a documentary and this, this was in the mid nineties about, uh, crime rising in South Africa. And, um, you know, they're talking about what you would expect in, in a normal big city, like, you know, cause uh, jo- let's face it, Johannesburg's got crime. Cape Town's got crime, Durban's got crime. But then before the the program cut to commercial, they said the worst is yet to come. And that's when I first heard about farm attacks. And this was in the Mm -hmm. mid-90s. Farm attacks. Now, uh, let's just say, being a South African farmer, and it doesn't matter what color you are, has has been declared as the most dangerous job on earth. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, and and when you think things through, it makes a lot of sense. You know, and I'm not I'm not uh, going to em- embrace the apartheid regime by any means because I do not uh, support that kind of segregation at all. Of course. How however to you ha- with the uh, rising crime going on in South Africa Believe it or not, and what I'm about to say is true, no Bravo Sierra here. There are black people who live the apartheid era in uh, in South Africa that want apartheid back because they felt safer. Yeah, it, it this is this is really stunning to hear about, uh, you know, what what you were saying about this is so that's the most dangerous job in the world. So um yeah, it's um I'm just looking at some some numbers here. Uh South African uh government uh, data indicated figures in South Africa and abroad. Um South Af- oh, I'm sorry. 
uh, wrong line, uh, between 54 and 74 murders on, on farms annually in the period 2015 to 2019, and 48 to 64 murders annually during the 2010 to 2014 period, um, out of an annual murder count of 20,000 total murders in South Africa. I mean, it's it's just stunning, you know, as an American, and probably to anybody around the world, you know, I mean, here in the United States, you know, you, you can't even imagine something like that. I mean, we, uh, to, to some extent, I mean, not as much as we should probably, but, you know, we value our farmers, we need our farmers to grow our food, etc. And it's so, it's just mind-boggling to think that there's a place in the world where being a farmer, of all things, being a farmer would actually be so dangerous. It's it's just, it blows my mind. And, you know, there's the old phrase, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, Robert Mugabe uh, did land expropriation without compensation, which is something else they're working on in South Africa, by the way. And, yeah, he did that in Zimbabwe, ha- had his goons attack uh, the the farmers and uh, shortly shortly afterwards the the economy of Zimbabwe we're talking Zimbabwe fed the entire continent of Africa okay At, after he expropriated the land and did what he did forced uh, especially the white farmers to move the the bottom fell out and and to this day Zimbabwe's one of their main sources of revenue is is foreign hunters who go there to hunt lions and elephants and antelopes and whatnot you know that's one of their main sources of revenue and you know that uh that's a very very small number so basically zimbabwe or formerly known as rhodesia had which was a had a thrive it was a thriving utopia that uh that that became a third world country under the rule of uh, Robert Mugabe. But what was uh, so? What was Mugabe's motivation for what he did? Because obviously, I, I mean, I I can't imagine that he he knew that what he was doing was going to cause this, right? Or did he? Yeah, I I I don't know what his motivation was uh, behind it. Uh, you know, there's there's the argument too in uh, Southern Africa, j- just like. Uh, just like here in, in the U.S., you know, that uh, land was stolen from Native Americans. Land was stolen from Native Americans. I'm not, not going to lie about that. But And they push that, they push that a lot more in uh, places in Africa where white people are living. Uh, but, uh, you know, looking at the facts there, that's not exactly 100% true, considering, um, you know, when the Dutch first arrived in uh, the, right around the Cape of Good Hope, in the 1600s, uh, all that all that was there were uh, the Khoi and San tribes, are better known as uh, the Bushmen. I mean, if you ever seen an old movie called "The Gods Must Be Crazy," then you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, an indigenous tribe. You know, they're they're small, frail people. You know, a lot of and uh, people say that the Dutch took the Khoi San as slaves, which is definitely not true because the Bushmen are too small and not strong enough for slave labor. I mean, they're proficient survivors in the Kalahari Desert. I'll give them that. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, if you wanted to take slaves, you need, you need big and strong people, and they're not it. 
So, you know, that throws that argument out the window right there. You know, the, the truth is, according to the, uh, you know, the diary of uh, Jan van Riebeck, who, uh, uh, who was among the Dutch settlers, uh, you know, they, it, was, uh, it was very obvious that they actually had very good rapport with the Khoiansan people. And uh, a lot of the black indigenous tribes came from the north, northern uh, provinces and countries of Africa uh, later on. So that, you know, if the, and a lot of them are saying that uh, that's their land and, and white people are visitors, white people are 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 settlers whatnot do not belong there but uh, truth truth be told the koi and san people are the real indigenous are the real indigenous original inhabitants of the southern africa and uh if uh, the white people are settlers there so are the blacks um i'm just stunned by some of these numbers i'm looking at uh while you're while you're explaining this billy um and this comes from wikipedia but it says here um, as of December of 2011, approximately, and this was 20, so this is, you know, from 10 years ago, but it says, uh, as of December 2011, approximately 3,158 to 3,800 South African farmers have been killed in these attacks. That's stunning. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised this isn't, uh, I'm surprised we don't hear about this more in the United States. Um, and, and let's keep in mind, too, this, this is both, the victims are both black and white. Yes, yeah, it makes a point of that in this in this article um, because it, it it seems to say here that most of these attacks there isn't uh, necessarily any kind of racial component. Most of it's it's robbery. People are are killing these farmers and and stealing whatever they can. Um, I have a so I have a practical question, and maybe this is a foolish question, but are are these farmers? Is there anything that they can do? within the bounds of the law in South Africa to defend themselves? Because obviously, if anything like this, not that it would, but if anything like this were to happen in the United States, you know, I, I think we can safely say that uh, probably most farms, uh, you know, the, the farmer uh, who owns the farm and lives on that property probably has a shotgun or two at the very least. You know, nobody's going to go uh, trying to... to Rob a, I mean, unless it happens and you just don't hear about it, nobody's going to go try to do this in the United States. I mean, are are farmers legally allowed to defend themselves in South Africa? You know, it, I'm glad you asked that, Matt, because uh, gun control is something they're really trying to push in South Africa even more. In fact, if you want to purchase a gun now, uh, self-defense is not a viable reason to get a gun and you're going to be denied. Okay. Um and but the, regardless of that, uh, Mbeki Seely, who he's he's one of the biggest morons they put in charge of the uh, South African Police Service there. You know, I mean, it, and he's basically saying that uh, nobody needs a gun. But you also have corrupt officers loaning their guns to criminals to go do these heinous acts. Now, I want let, I want to explain the farm murder itself. Okay. I mean, uh, they've been going on since the end of apartheid, the farm attacks, and uh, these are planned and organized attacks. They, you know, they they may have somebody spy on the farm on the property from a distance. They may have an informant uh, who 
who works who works on the farm as a worker and then tells him you know this this is the back entrance right here you know you you can sneak in right this way and get them blah 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 you know so they have those kinds of things you know so i mean it it's it's carefully thought out and given the fact that these are remote areas away from big cities like johannesburg Mm-hmm. You know, local law enforcement takes a lot of time in the, to uh, respond in these rural areas. In fact, uh, because it was getting so bad, they used to have a ha- have these forces called the Boer Commandos. By the way, Boer is is the Dutch or Afrikaans word for farmer. Okay, and uh, they you know they they relied on each other, but now since then, it, I think it was in Becky Seeley that uh, has had disbanded the Boer. Com- uh, the Boer Commandos and and well the the basically I I could be getting it wrong and somebody from South Africa can tell me the the true name of the army because I know it during the Anglo Boer War there's there was the Boer com- Commandos but the the task force unit voluntary task force unit basically you know stepped in you know so and, like uh, like a like a militia group uh, you yeah know, okay. You're, you know, out there, your your nearest neighbor could be a half a mile away. Yeah, and may, and maybe more for that matter. You know, and let's let's talk about the murders themselves that I can say appropriately on the air because I've in a private conversation I've given you some details and you know I can't tell you everything that happens. Yeah, needless to say, it, it's it's gruesome. It's very gruesome what goes on. Uh, Number one, South Africa has been deemed the rape capital of the world. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, your chances, uh, uh, I'm going to say a woman's chances of getting raped in South Africa are, are, I'm going to guess about maybe 60%. Oh, my God. uh, Those are odds I, I hate to give out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. But um, so basically a group of thugs will go onto a farm and they'll get into the house. They will take the man and tie him up, you know, and uh, and force him to watch as they rape and torture his wife. And maybe if he if he's got a female, uh, if he's got a female. Uh, a daughter, they're going to go after yeah. her too. Uh, doesn't matter if she's an infant. Doesn't matter if uh, the if there's a if there's a female in the house. Uh, you know, it's the odds of getting raped. You know, in, from infant to elderly, they do not care. Um, that, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that gives us an idea. Um, it, but, but so, and this might be a strange question, Billy, but. Is that is that really is that standard operating procedure for for these I don't even want to call them people but these these thugs uh, to put it mildly um, or are there is there ever any um, I mean do some of these these farm uh, attacks do they just kill everybody maybe just shoot everybody and then steal everything or is is it standard operating procedure for these people to uh, or thugs or whatever to 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 do what you just described is that is that usually a part of it more often than not well it it depends on the situation it depends on on the motive you know i mean uh 
a lot of them are being told by uh, leaders like uh, Julius Malema, who, who is also very toxic over there and should be in jail. That, uh, you know, this land was taken from you. You need, you need to go and take it back by any means necessary. Then he sings a song called Shoot the Boar. And, of course, yeah, I mean, that only fuels the fire even yeah. more. Yeah. You know, but some of this is uh, ritual stuff, too, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into as well. You know, um, so wow. a lot of them, too, especially I just mentioned if they rape an infant. Uh, a San Goma witch doctor has told many a people because, you know, uh, South Africa has always had a pretty high AIDS count. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, they're being told by a witch doctor that if they rape a baby, that's going to cure cure them of AIDS. Wow, it's horrifying. Um, so what is uh what is being done? Uh, is anything? I mean, obviously, this has been going on for decades. Is is you know, is is anything being done? I mean, is there any way? You know, clearly nothing successful has happened because, like I said, these numbers are shocking. Well, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa was was in uh, New York for what I forgot what they call that big meeting there. But uh, there's a there's a big picture of him shaking hands with Georgie Porgy Soros, and that that man's another subject for another time. But um, you know, he blatantly lied on national TV, said, because President Trump at the time had put out a, uh, something on Twitter that he was having um, Mike Pompeo look into the uh, farm murders in South Africa. And the first, really? thing, uh, first thing that uh, Ramaphosa does is uh, he says there are no murders of, of farmers in, or white farmers in South Africa. So he blatantly lied that, that and said that that was not going on when I mean, anybody who's anybody n- knew that is Bravo Sierra. And so it's like, it's almost like nothing's being done. You realize too, that these farmers now have resorted. If they can't have guns, they got to go to the next best thing. Um, you know, they're getting vicious dogs, and they're they're not even getting dogs anymore. They're putting they're putting one or two or three lions in their uh, in their uh, yard, uh, highly fenced up. So imagine that. I mean, if it's if it's bad enough that dogs aren't enough, you got to get lions. From what I'm reading here, it sounds like there was an effort to address this. It says. Um... Uh, this article here talks about a mix of of the police and what is what was called the Rural Protection Plan created in '97 by Mandela, uh, but then in 2003 the government began disbanding these uh, commando units. Um, so yeah. that uh, we have a we have a call, Billy. Let's uh, let's see who this is. Might be someone with a question. Oh, never mind. There's nobody there. Okay, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds here like in 2003 the government. Uh, began to uh, work against that and, and force these uh, groups to disband. Some of these farmers, it says here, were being trained actually by Israeli special forces. Um, so, so there was help there. But then the, uh, the government said, no, you can't, uh, you can't do this. You can't defend yourselves, uh, essentially. It, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm, I mean, and, and a lot of people are like, are like, you know, if it's that bad, just leave. 
just leave. You realize that is so much easier said than done. Well, of course. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yes. I mean, just just pack up and leave. No, that requires money. That requires government approval. Yeah. In fact, uh, there there was there's also you know of course uh, human and child trafficking going on, uh, as we know, and uh, a family who um, they've attempted to take uh, their daughter twice. They they escaped to Finland for a while, only uh, to have the Finnish government tell them that they can't seek asylum, really? regardless of what they were going through. Oh, that's terrible! Wow, it surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, and I want to I want to get to one of my main projects. I've I'm get I'm about to get started on wheels here. Is uh, my my next attempt to help raise awareness for the uh, farm murders in South Africa? Okay. So, Ernst Roots, uh, who's the head of a company called or. I don't know if you call him a company or I'd organization is more like it. I should say. They're called AfriForum, and uh, they've done what they can to help uh, farmers in South Africa. You know whether they're you know they're facing the government for land expropriation without compensation, or uh, you know they, you know they, basically uh, suing somebody for uh, illegitimate security after a loved one got killed, things like that. You know AfriForum has always been there to help them, and they're a good organization. So the the head of this organization uh, is a gentleman by the name of Ernst Roots. He wrote a book called Kill the Boer. And uh, it was very tough for me. In fact, I I think uh, the South African government did not want me to have this book. I mean, call me a conspiracy theorist on this if you want. But, uh, you know, I once I knew the book was out, I went to the website. I paid the money and... Um, you know, it didn't ask me for anything extra for international shipping or anything. I asked what was, uh, or I paid what they asked me to pay. Yeah. And, and uh, about a month goes by and uh, there, nothing's happening, of course. And so I contact them and I said, you know, I'm here, I'm here in the United States. I ordered this book. Do I need to pay extra? And they, they got back to me and they said, yes, you need to pay a little extra shipping for inter, inter, international. So I, I said, no problem. How much do you need? And they refused to get back to me. Oh, uh, okay. They were just kind of stringing you along, it sounds like. They were, they yeah. were, they were putting you off and hoping you'd go away. Hey, by, by the way, Billy, uh, our friend uh, Mike Sutterth is here. Hello, Hello. Mike. Hey, how are you guys? Well, good, good. Yeah. Good, good. Feel, do you have any questions about what we've discussed so far, Mike? I don't know if you were, had a chance to listen on your I have over. not. I was stuck in the elevator. So. Oh, I got you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Billy. So, you know, then came, you know, I even, I emailed them about four times and they never answered me, you know, so I think they, it's like they were trying to keep this book out of my hands. But then uh, I managed to land an interview on Outlaw Radio with Ernst Roots himself and I, oh. I told him, I, you know, I ordered this book and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to pay the extra shipping I just, and well... Lo and behold, you know, he was on his way to the United States anyway within the next week after uh, 
after that and said he made sure I got the book and I didn't have to pay anything extra. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah, that's going right to the source. Hey, we have a we have a call. Let's see who this is. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Yeah, hi. This is uh, Brett Sessoms from uh, Mississippi. Hey, hey. Have, hey, Brett. Yes, and I've followed the situation in South Africa with the farm murders and everything, and everything that Billy said is pretty uh, spot on. I was going to add to that saying it is more dangerous to be a farmer in South Africa than it is to be a cop in South Africa, and South Africa has one of the world's highest murder rates. Yeah, that is shocking to me when Billy mentioned that, that uh, being a farmer in South Africa, that's you, you said, Billy, that that's been deemed the most dangerous job in the world. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that is that is stunning to me. And, and you know, and it, it really, you know, makes it all the more uh, shocking when you think about it in those terms, Brett, like you just mentioned, it's even more dangerous there to be a farmer than to be in law enforcement. That is uh, that is truly shocking. Well, then again, you're, the law enforcement there is very incompetent. I mean, all you got to do is look at him, Becky Seeley. I mean, he's incompetent as they get, and who else is he, is he going to have under his power? Right, right. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, how, how, did you, uh, how did you get involved in following this, Brett? Well, long story short, uh, when I'm taught English for the South Korean Air Force, do not ask me how... Uh, the South Korean Air Force would hire somebody like this, but they had this very anti-white and anti-Western um, South African co-worker that I had, and he was, he wouldn't be considered black by South African standards, he would be considered colored, uh, which is descendant of Khoisan, but he saw himself as black, and about 10 to 15% of the colored population thinks that way, the other 85% think they're idiots for doing that. Um, but the, he tried to impose like all kind of, oh, anti-Western and anti-white views on me. And so I started doing research on what was going on in South Africa through its history and its current affairs. Hmm. And I saw the situations with the farm murders, the situations with Julius Malema, the situations with the uh, with the ANC. Um, and I just saw how distorted and messed up his views were. And honestly, the South African Air Force sent white pilots to the Korean War. Uh, they were called the Flying Cheetahs, the 2nd South African Fighter Squadron. And I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to distort their legacy or their contributions, seeing how we were teaching on a South Korean Air Force base. So I did research on that subject first, and then I started learning about all this other stuff. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, it's good that you uh, took the initiative to begin researching that, uh, that Brett. That's uh, that's great. Yes, and I just wanted to add, there's this organization that that non-South Africans can donate. It's called Friends of Afroform. And it's where non-South Africans or South Africans living abroad can donate. And it's like helping Afroform. Okay. Okay. Very good. That is, uh, and, that's good to know. Oh, go ahead. So, th- thank you guys very much. All right. Very good. Thank you for the call, Brett. Take care. All right. Very good. That might be our first ever call from Mississippi on the yes. show. Might be. <laughs> so I just I just wanted to add here I don't know how much time we got left here Matt but I want to talk about the project uh, that I've got going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we have a few minutes. Yeah. So you know I mentioned I I read Ernst Root's book and, and uh, it might as well it might as well be a horror novel with true facts. I mean, so I mean some of the stuff I read in it. I mean I I already heard about farm murders, but then um, you know the some of the gruesome stuff. I mean, and there's stuff in in ungodly detail in that book and uh you know so so 
it's it's it wasn't easy to read at all. Yeah, I mean, my stomach turned at uh, one one. Uh, I wanted to cry. I I seriously wanted to cry, especially reading the story about Kayla Meyer, who was who's in her and her entire family were slaughtered with with shovels. Oh my God. Yeah, that you is know. uh that is hideous. Hold that thought, Billy. Let's see who's on the line here. Hi, welcome to Matt Connors and Unleashed. Who's this? Hail to the king, baby. You know who this is. Ah, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey. So, um God, uh this this whole thing about um uh whites in South Africa. So I've there's a tattoo artist that I knew who uh did what I consider to be the most uh, beautiful artwork on my body to this day. Um, she immigrated from from South Africa, and during my sessions with her, I, I asked her about the treatment of, of white farmers in that country and, and asked if, if that's actually what's going on, and she confirmed it. Mm. But nobody's talking about it, and well, uh, now she's gone. That's why you're what? So, yeah, she's, she's no longer with us, and I wish she was because that woman was was wonderful. But there there needs to be more people talking about this kind of thing that's going on. Well, from what I'm reading online too, I mean, it's you know, it, it's not just white farmers, but uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, I don't know if they're being targeted more or not. There seems to be some mixed information from what I was reading, but. But it seems like it's a lot more about uh, more about robbery than anything, you know, larceny. But uh, but the way they torture these people too, un- unbelievable. It's just it's, it's so oh, yeah. it's so sick. Some of it's ritual yeah. as well, um, yeah. which I'm going to get into in a little bit. I don't, I don't want to cut your collar off. I'm sorry. As our, we don't want to cut off uh, Papa Dirk, of course, our uh, our music reviewer. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, no, no. You guys had a subject going on for today for the first hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I'm glad you called in. Yeah. Um, God, I, I'm just uh, I'm frustrated. I'm furious. Uh, I'm in Facebook jail for the next three days. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of angry and, and bitter today. And <laughs> as a side note, as a side note here, so, you know, Billy knows what's been going on with Crazy Joe. And uh, yes. he uh, he took it upon himself to make a video about me, talking about how I'm a stalker. Oh. I'm going to continue harassing him. But you know what? I want Crazy Joe to be listening. Because I don't care what he says. I didn't take a minute of my time to record a woman inside an office who's not even looking at me. That's on him. He did do that. <laughs> he did do that. He can say whatever he wants about me. Um, if it offends him, then it makes me happy about myself. I mean, he likes that phrase, doesn't he? That's right. What does he say? Uh, the more I offend you, the better I feel. Yeah. Any publicity. Exactly. Is good publicity. It goes That's both right. ways. <laughs> well, good. So I, 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 I genuinely hope he listens to this, and I hope he hears that uh, at least I don't do, you know, really greasy crap like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it and it, right. it's uh, it's on YouTube uh, the video that you're talking about for for all the world to see if anyone doesn't believe it. That it poor is. woman, it definitely is. Yep, yep. So I'll continue to watch. All right, I will watch. <laughs> all right, but I'll let you guys go. You take it easy. All right, Dirk. Thank you for the Cheers. call, my friend. Take care. 
All right, that is Dirk Don from Arrogant Media. Of course, you can uh, subscribe to the Arrogant Media YouTube channel. And Dirk also does our weekly music review uh, here on the program. Which I take a personal interest in. Yes, absolutely. Trying to promote my uh, side gig here. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, go go ahead, Billy. What what were you... Uh, we, we, we have a few minutes left. What, what were, oh, actually, hang on. We have another call. Let's, let's grab this. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? You know, he is a stalker. I don't care what he says. He's a stalker. Oh, oh, boy. He uh, continues to uh, say uh, things about us um, which are not true. Uh, but more importantly, Dirk Dickwad. Okay, like, oh, no, oh, you oh, cannot oh, oh, say oh, that. Oh. And let's. No, FM and Station. Furthermore, <laughs> FM Station, uh, no D word. All right, there we go. Crazy Joe uh, chiming in there, but uh, he didn't have anything to contribute to this discussion anyway, unlike our other callers. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Billy. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so, so, just saying, uh, you know, after reading Ernst Roots' book, I, I came up with an idea of my own. Ernst Roots has covered the nonfiction. I want to help raise awareness to a, to a whole different audience, and I'm going to write something based on a lot of these facts and stuff I've read that's going to be fictional. So I'm, I'm working on a project that's going to be a horror novel called The Curse of Blood River. Now, uh, back in the 1800s, there was, a, there was a battle between the Zulus and the uh, settlers uh, where the Zulus had double-crossed the settler, the Dutch settlers, and it was called the Battle of Blood River. And basically, you know, I'm the that's where the stage is going to be set, and then we're going to go into uh, modern day post apartheid South Africa to where the descendants now, and this it's going to be covered uh, basically over a land that's uh, that's cursed. And to uh, go over to put a piece like this together, I've I, I've uh, I've looked into some some other facts and uh, things that uh, of fiction and nonfiction. Unfortunately, I I had to study uh, a couple of serial killers, uh, like Richard Ramirez being one of them, because uh, you know the the way he did people in Southern California during uh, you know the Night Stalker was very similar to that of what uh, how farm attacks are are carried on. Oh. You know. Um, other supernatural stories, you know, since this is about a curse. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to look into the, uh, to the, to the rituals of the, the San Goma, you know, cause uh, a lot of the farm attacks are also, they'll cut, uh, there's a, there's a market for human body parts to make, uh, a potion they call Muti. That's supposed to be, uh, your cure all for whatever ails you according to them. Oh, okay. So, so you know this is going to be a, a fictional story going to be pa- uh going to be based right around the KwaZulu Natal province of South Africa. Okay. Uh, um it's and it's going to be an expensive matter not all qu- the research is done because I I want this to be a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've I've even gone as far as taking ideas from uh, one of the Ca- Pirates of the Caribbean movies uh you know, because they talk about how how blood broke the curse. You know, so I'm going to add that in there. Oh, and, wow! And it should be it should be something interesting, you know. And I want to let my South African audience know that this is another move to make awareness. I'm not 
and I don't want them to be offended as if I'm trying to make entertainment out of a horrible situation because that that I am not. Right, right. You know, it, it's it's another attempt to, uh, to raise awareness of what's going on. I, I mean, you know, they t- they told me a long time ago. You know, we just had Halloween and they don't celebrate Halloween in uh, in South Africa, and I figured out why because almost especially if you're a South African farmer. Every day is Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Is this, uh, by the way, is this your first book, or have you written uh, fiction before? Now, the, this will be my first one. In fact, it was. it's kind of a, a lifelong ambition for me because I was, as a child, I was uh, heavily involved in creative writing and things like that, and I, there was a time in my life, you know, you know how it is, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I said, I, w- I want to write books. I want to be a writer, and I at least want to do one, and this is going to be the project. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fantastic, Billy. Good for you. Well, listen, we are uh, we are approaching the top of the hour, so we'll we'll have to uh, begin to wrap up on this subject. But it is very important, and like I said, uh, truly shocking. Uh, anything uh, anything else you you want to make sure you mention about it before we go? Well, I'll uh, I'll have. Like I say, you know, the the project is just barely starting on wheels, but I think uh, soon once uh, I get with a writing coach because a publisher told me that I need to I need to sit down with a writing coach. I um I speak some Afrikaans already. Oh, but uh, you know, uh, so they said I need to learn some Zulu if I if I'm going to make this something good. So you know, I'm going to get into that, and I I do have a couple of friends that uh, speak Zulu. Oh, no kidding! Wow, yeah, that's. Uh... I imagine that'll be a challenge, but that's exciting. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Well, Billy, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us today to talk about this. And also, too, uh, why don't you give uh, Outlaw Radio a plug? Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, it's it's not uh, like FM radio. It's it's completely <laughs> uncensored. So you're going to hear some f bombs and and uh, other things fly there. Yeah, uh, but you're going to. You go to outlawradioabs.com. Of course, Outlaw Radio. Give it phonetically, alphabravosierra.com. Very good. Very good. And I uh, thank you again for having me on uh, to record with you Friday night. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was great. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate hearing from you, man. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, if you pray, definitely pray for our farmers in South Africa because. Um, especially if you pray, these are our brothers and sisters who are, who are undergoing terrible, terrible times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Bad Billy Painter. Thank you so much, my friend. Wonderful to speak with you. Yeah. Thank you. You You have a great one. You got it. You too. Bye-bye. Come on down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. I'm just curious. I'm reading these comments and I have so many questions. What has everyone got against rap?
the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. It's really just one one guy. Oh, this okay. Is, this is Crazy Joe. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the chat, dude. Oh, why? Who's Who else is complaining? They're like, oh, there was a shooting last time. There was a rap group in town. Listen. Oh. Listen. Okay, there's a bad rep around a lot of like hip hop and rap, but you know what? Hip hop is what what has made this country to a point. You know what I mean? You go out to New York, it's wicked popular there because that's that's that was people's getaways, you know, mm-hmm. from in the Bronx, man, when they were doing the construction out there in what was it, nineteen nineties around there? Was it nineteen nineties or nineteen nineteen nineties or nineteen eighties? They were doing some construction out there, they tore up a lot of homes and that was a lot of people's getaways. The Just Because Deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Yeah, I understand there is a bad rep, but you know what it is? You know what a lot of a lot of it is? It's where we live, you know? You've got these people that want to be cool and you know they want to they want to do stupid stuff and they want to try yeah. to act cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of these rappers, you know, they're really down to earth people. Oh yeah. I I understand there's a stigma around it, but you know if there was such a bad stigma, they wouldn't have named November hip hop like a hip hop heritage month. Oh, which they just recently did, like yesterday, yeah. I think it was. Oh, I didn't know about that. You know what I mean? It just yeah. it, it it irks me. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's like uh, like like Crazy Joe talks about. Well, actually, here Eric just posted in the chat room. Eric Pilter referring to Crazy Joe. He did two videos on how all rappers are criminals and horrible human beings. Yep. Uh, this started because Jay Z is going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. Now, will I say? Will I say? There's a lot of rappers out there who I can't respect because of what they what they did while they were rappers. You know? Sure. I understand. Maybe you know when you're when you're still on the come up. You know, trying to make a few dollars. I get that. I understand that it's not right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you go into that fight or flight mode. Okay. So it, it it's that survival instinct they've had. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand people getting a bad rep from what happened to like Tupac and stuff like that, or what happened at in Manchester a few months ago with that local tour, with that lo, with that touring artist. I can understand that, mm-hmm. but not every rapper is like that. Oh, of course. Well, I always say too, 
people who don't understand or they they condemn some people will you know it's kind of a boomer thing i guess some people will condemn hip-hop as you know being all like they talk about it like it's all gangster rap and it's all this violent stuff and it's like that would be like saying that all rock music is uh, satanic death metal you know it, it's there's many different kinds of hip-hop just like there's many mm-hmm. different kinds of rock mm-hmm. music but so. you don't see them coming up coming at metal like that well, but there are people who do. There, there are. There, there are, are people who have over. And you're, you know, you don't, you don't remember because I mean, you're, you're so young. But uh, like when I was a kid, you know, and they probably still happen in the South. It was a big thing. Record burnings. Yeah, they would have these uh, record burning parties outside. Where I remember when I was a kid, seeing one. It was on MTV. There was an MTV news story about it. And um, back when MTV was actually MTV. Yeah, yeah. And this, uh, this, this uh, preacher, he's running this record burning ceremony mm-hmm. and one of the records he threw into the fire was REO Speedwagon <laughs> and it was so weird and it was like REO Speedwagon but the um but the title of the album it was it was kind of a uh play on words it was high in fidelity it was mm-hmm. like hi-fi but high oh. in fidelity so the preacher's like we don't want infidelity we want fidelity and he throws the record into the fire and it's like but you know, Kiss, my you know my favorite band, Kiss. They they had to deal with a lot of that, like um, especially in the South. You know, mm-hmm. people claiming that it was an acronym for Knights and Satan's yep. Service and things like that. You know, and not- I will say it's all about where you live too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's all about where you live. You go out to New York, you won't hear you won't hear a single thing about this, right? You know, right? We wouldn't be talking about this. We'd be talking about how it's the culture. You get out into some spots in Boston, we'd be talking about where it's it's the culture, Lowell, Cambridge, mm-hmm. you know. Lawrence, yeah, you'd be talking about how it's the culture down there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's not rap that's bad. It's not rap that's not music. It's some of the people that, some of the artists and musicians in there, they're giving it a bad name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a few bad apples make the bunch. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're always going to have... For lack of, for lack of better yeah, wording. You're always going to have that. Um, but, um, yeah. And but, there was a, there was a question in there too. Is rap really music? I yeah. mean, Tom, oh, let me tell you, Tom is not a fan. <laughs> yeah. I, not many people are. I mean, you guys are, it, it's, you guys are different people. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I get that. I respect that. Respect my opinion too. But no, is rap really music? Is it produced in a studio? Is it produced like, you know, rock would be country music, pop music. Yeah. It's music. Of course. It's produced the same way. Actually, uh, early rap was uh, kind of, well, you know, th- then there was rap rock in the 90s and into the 2000s. That's but, back, too. But, yeah, somewhat. But early early rap, if you listen to early rap, like Run DMC, there was a lot of guitars in it. You uh-huh. know, like rock yeah. box. I don't and know there still you, is. Yeah. Hey, Matt, it's Eric from Cedar Rapids. I just wanted to chime in on the rap conversation here. Please do. Uh, I'm a huge fan of rap myself. Uh, I listed my favorite groups in the chat or artists. And, you know, the whole... How do I want to say this? The whole gangsta mentality has been diminished. Like... Even movie-wise, you have movies like Juice, Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, uh, Deep Cover, that have been just royally diminished as being 
violent and overdone. And it's like, no, this is this is their life. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. what they live in these areas. Mm-hmm. And I feel that rap in general has become a victim of that as well, where people try to say, oh, it's glorifying, it's glorifying violence and drugs. And no, it's not. It's a way to tell a story, keep it authentic, and have a beat to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the early days of music. So rap is music, and anyone in... You know, I I have a huge issue when people just rally against a certain type of music yeah. because it's wrong because what you want with music is does it make someone feel good? Right. Does it put does it help someone's mindset? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've always, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't judge anything when it comes to music. I mean, I'm so, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Eric. I'm, I'm at such a point with it where I don't even. I'm very careful. You know how, like, not just about rap, but about any genre of music, someone, if someone doesn't like something, a particular band or a rapper or whoever, they'll say, oh, that sucks. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't see anything in them or whatever. I'm very careful not to do that. I always say, well, I don't like that. I don't like that band or I don't like that rapper. I don't like whatever it is. Doesn't suit my taste. But, but people get into this weird thing where people are very judgmental when it comes to music. Even people who, Tend, yeah. to, tend not to be judgmental in other ways. When it comes to music, they're very, people are just very judgmental. And I'm sensitive to that, too, because, again, mm-hmm. growing up a Kiss fan, you know, there's a lot of music snobs out there who turn yep. their noses up at Kiss yep. because they can't get past the makeup and the costumes. And, um, you know, and, and people, are, people are very judgmental in general, I think, about music, but especially when it comes mm-hmm. to hip-hop. You know, people have, have uh, their, you know, these negative stereotypes about yeah. what it's and, all about. I think, oh. go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Christian, you go ahead. Okay, so what I was going to say is, I think, you know, I, I sort of, when I was younger, kind of had the same mindset that people have now about rap recently. But, like, when you dig into it, you do your research, you read up on it, and you meet people, you know, it, your, your view changes on it, you know what I mean? The stereotype changes, the stereotype goes away, that these are just people. And, yeah, there are... There is songs out there that do talk about, you know, doing the the illegal stuff, bad stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, like like Eric said, it's telling a story. Yeah. Most of the time. There's it's a, a few part out of there. their life. Yeah, exactly. It's what they have lived in most cases. Right. I have a question for you because, you know, you're, you're, you're the history buff out here. Um, did you get what I was going towards when I said the Brooklyn thing? Um. If I had to guess on Brooklyn, I would say like Brooklyn is where Biggie came from. I true. mean, yeah. Brooklyn true, yep. is like w- one of the epicenters of rap. You have LL Cool J that came from Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying. There's a Dip lot. Set, I, think, I think maybe I'm wrong. You'd have to correct me on this, Christian. But I think Def Jam kind of started in Brooklyn. Yeah, they really did. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, my whole thing is this is growing up, I listened to rap and Mm -hmm. I had white people and African Americans alike tell me, you can't listen to that because you're white. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. It's crazy. The stereotypes are crazy, man. And like growing up as a 
a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, maybe it's wrong. Me, I didn't Mm -hmm. because I grew up with my mom and a very headstrong aunt who basically said, forget them, do what you want. You know, what's crazy is, too, recently I've noticed, well, like, for example, to use him as an example, when we had Tony V on, you didn't see them trashing rap like this. You know what I mean? Right, right. But when we get to the nitty-gritty, hardcore, like, rap, you know... People who grew up in the hood hood, like, that's when people start trashing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's even getting to the point where we try to diminish rap and African-American stories that two, three years ago, uh, a cable network had gotten the rights to air Roots, the miniseries, the original miniseries, and there were actual cries from parents that they needed to edit some of the content out of it or air it later. Like not, it's like, yes, is it hard to watch? Oh, absolutely. You're not going to, I've never heard someone say, I want to binge watch Ruth. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, It is a very difficult watch, even with it being over 40 years old, I think, 77. I'm horrible at math. I am too. But it's this idea that we have to diminish mm-hmm. the story to make it acceptable. Right. And that is wrong. Entirely wrong. Well, there is no more poignant song, in my opinion, than Brenda's Got a Baby by Tupac. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you listen to that song and ignore the fact that it's done, ignore any preconceived biases, you're like, you're kind of shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, his wonder why they call you can't say it on FM radio, but that's another story that you're like, man, mm. it, it's a difficult listen. Mm-hmm. And we, in a lot of times, people that don't understand it or don't get it or don't want to confront it or it makes them uncomfortable want to diminish it and bash it and have it removed Mm -hmm. and it's wrong and we need to we need to listen to these stories we need to watch these stories because then we gain a greater understanding Mm -hmm. well also and uh, I, I was just going to say, too, you know, really good art should, uh, and obviously music is art, you know, it should challenge you, you know? A- absolutely. Absolutely. You, it just, it's mind-boggling to me. Like, I have watched, I'm a big fan of the film Menace to Society. Not because it's a gangster film and, oh, snap, look at that shooting. It's because it tells a tale of what mm-hmm. these inner cities are really like. Mm-hmm. It's not sugarcoated. It is not, it isn't, you know, oh, we got to tone this down. No, it's in your face. It's, this is what it is. And I have seen people tell that have come over to my place to watch it. And they say, I can't watch this anymore. Please turn it off. Yeah. And And I'm like, why can't you watch it anymore? And they're like, It's just uncomfortable to watch. It's uncomfortable for you to watch. It's what they live. Right. Right. 
Yeah. They, you and we. You see and it, you see it in here. You see it in Manchester, They dude. say that about rap, too. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Why? Well, there's cursing. That's their culture. Well, it's violence. That's what they live. It's drug dealing. That's what they do. That's what they do. And whether you agree mm-hmm. with it or not, that is their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen, some of these people just got to go back and watch Eight Mile again. That's that. Some of these people just got to go back and watch you know, Eight Mile. I, to bash any film, I, I was not a fan of Eight Mile. I wasn't either, but it was the first movie I could think of. To be honest, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, then that, then I like that movie, what, who was it? 50 Cent was in two. I don't think that'll end up on Eric's classic film review uh, anytime soon. Come on, man. Just kidding. Uh, uh, no, 8 Mile is not. But I will say this. I, I believe in planning ahead. I do have what I think is an amazing slate for Black History Month Do the February. Outsiders. Do the Outsiders. We are... I'm requesting we the are Outsiders. definitely going to cover a lot of the films I've mentioned in this conversation because I think it's very important for these films to be viewed and the music to be heard and the stories to not just be listened to but sunk in and resonated Mm -hmm. with people Mm -hmm. because then we gain an understanding and while we may not agree with Antifa or Black Lives Matter we can see the precipice of why it's here Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that's and a mature way to approach see it. See what the issue is. I don't agree with the, a lot of the things Black Lives Matter has done, but I do understand the root issues mm-hmm. at hand here. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's a better way we can discuss it yeah. and talk about it. Well, very. It's just multiple heads have to come together. Right, right. Which is uh, which is always a challenge. Well, Eric, uh, I appreciate the call. We're actually uh, we're, thank you. We're yeah, absolutely. Thank you because yeah. you you helped me get the words out that I couldn't get out because I couldn't there, think of the words to you know. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That. Well, you know, Christian, I was listening to you, and I, you know, I'm not. I would never dog you or anything, but when you're passionate about something. It is very hard to get those words out. Dude, and I can music? tell you're passionate about it. You're passionate about your music. You're passionate about your art. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to say something and hopefully it clicks. So I hope it did with some people. And maybe there's a pause in regards to bashing these forms of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music is art. It's a, and yeah. dude, like, like you said, feeling passionate about it. Music is what saved me, dude. Music is what has made me me since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Since I sat behind a computer making, me, me, taking a class on music production to now DJing in front of 300, 400, 500 people, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's been times it has literally saved me. <laughs> well, uh, but art saves. It does. It does. Come on down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM, 
in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. You are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. It's Millie's. What's going on? Millie's. What's up, bro? Ah, I was right about how you say his name. Okay, so I've, I've, been, I've been the one mispronouncing. <laughs> wow, I've been over here promoting this mispronouncing the whole time. My bad. Yes, yes. Well, now you know. It's, uh, it's a teachable moment. Uh, very good. Uh, so how are you? This is our first time talking, but you're going to be, uh, sounds like you got a big show coming up here in Manchester. Yeah, for sure. Um, November 7th, bar, uh, 603 Bar and Grill, man. I'm hearing it's only a few tickets left, so... We're going to come to Manchester, and we're going to rock out. We're going to go crazy. It's going to be a, a dope night, epic night, legendary night in the city. Where are you from? I'm from Cambridge, Massachusetts, 617. Okay, very good, very good. Have you played up here in Manchester before? Yeah, I've done a few shows. Um, I've been rapping for a while, so I've done a few shows, but definitely um, definitely never uh, headlined a, a show, so... This oh my wow. first headliner in Manchester, I said. Bro, when I when I say it's the buzz up here right now, it's the buzz up here right now. It's all I'm hearing about. Dude. That's lit. I'm I'm That's I'm super, super stoked, bro. Yeah, very it's dope too because I remember doing um I remember doing a show in Manchester before, like probably like five, six years ago, and there was nobody in the building. <laughs> like, yep. it, it was me and a bunch of artists. And yeah, there was man. nobody in the building. And now to hear how well, like you know, the tickets are selling and everything, like it's a it's a uh, it's a one eighty moment. So it's dope, man. I can't wait to get out there and rock out. It's kind of like the the preview to my Boston show too. I got a sold out Boston show on uh, December tenth, but this like you know, nice kind of yeah. like the warm up to that. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I feel like, you know, with the pandemic, uh, people were cooped up for so long that it's really, um, there's kind of a new level of enthusiasm for the music scene now. Uh, people really want to get out and see some shows, and um, uh, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's great that you've got a, a sold-out show coming up, too, uh, in Boston. That's that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. How did... Uh, yeah, every- how did how did you and uh, DJ Reckless over here get connected? So uh, I can grab that one for you, bro. I heard about him through uh, Kalo, DJ Kalo. Okay, I opened for him, and then I was like, "Yo, this sounds dope." And know it's it's at six oh three, and it's at where I hold my residency. I was like, "Well, dude, I got to promote this because you know it's the biggest thing Manchester's seen in a very long time since probably before COVID." Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know, the dude, yo, you can rap. Like <laughs> when I hear you, I'm yeah. like, dude, there's. I'm like, you don't just get signed to Jadakiss's label, bro. It's like, you work for it. And, dude, I've listened to, like, a lot of your music recently, too. Because I heard about you recently, and I was like, all right, I'm going to dig into it. Did some research, and I was listening to your music, bro. And I got to say, your most recent album, dude, fire. Blanco 4. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Actually, um, we just dropped the video. We just dropped the intro off that, so... Yeah, that, that album's still going strong, man. How did that come about getting signed uh, to Jadakus's label? That's uh, that's pretty remarkable. Jadakus, obviously, uh, you know, a, a pretty big name. Um, I mean, how did that come about? Did you just did you meet him at a show, or or how how did you uh, get signed? Yeah, I was in New York. We had um we we had met each other like a, a few times, and he kind of just tracked my progress, and eventually it just. 
it, it just made sense that we should go into business together. You know, people like seeing us together. Um, like the fans would react really well to like the song we did and stuff. So it just kind of put his arm around me, you know, and uh, and co-signed me in, the, in this game ever since I moved out to New York. So that's yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's huge. And uh, you know, as we continue to evolve out of the pandemic, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of opportunity for you now that you're signed with him, and you know, you'll be doing more and more shows and and whatnot. And uh, I was looking up, I, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I see this uh, track here that I found online. I don't know if there's a radio edit of it available, but this track, Hopeless, I'll I'll check that out later though. If I if there's a uh, edit for FM radio that I can play. I'll play it. But um, yeah, that's um, that's really cool. And who else is uh, who else is on the show this weekend? Do, do either of you? I'm not sure. I know it's, yeah, a, it's a lot neither. of it's a lot of openers. Um, I, I I believe local openers from from New Hampshire. But there is a few. I'm not sure exact. I know some of the names, but I'm not sure exactly how many. But I'm sure some some dope artists I'm, I'm excited to check them out too mm-hmm. yo i will say i think because uh, i was at joiner fest joiner fest dude your set at joiner fest bro was awesome bro you brought up the that mascot crazy, too dude right? i was like yo no way yeah that um I, I i like that show a lot man i like that show a lot for sure so the was, whole team involved with that, just, that day for sure yeah the whole team involved with that show was just awesome dude i was like wicked stoked then seeing the after movie and stuff it was like yo that's gonna go down in history for sure oh very yeah, cool that, that was that was for sure a dope experience so after this uh pair of shows you know you've got you're gonna be playing up here in manchester and then you've got that uh sold out show in boston are you uh do you have a lot more booked after that are you going on tour or what's your uh short-term trajectory the just because deal Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Um, nah, I kind I, I went on a quick uh, East Coast run right after I dropped the album, um, probably like a, a month or two ago. So like, uh, like I did Philly, Baltimore. Um, I'm gonna blank on cities, man. Yeah, it was like it's a different city all the time. But yeah, I I, I, I did a little run Philly, Baltimore, Connecticut, a uh, few spots. But uh, right now I'm really just trying to uh, lock in. A- after this Boston show, I'm gonna probably just um. And even after this Manchester show, I'm going to just be in kind of studio mode. Yeah. I'm trying to get the, the next album done. I like to have my, I like to have the body of music that, that I'm going to be working done before each year. Like before, before the ball drops, I like to know like kind of like what I'm going into the new year with musically. So I do a lot of work in like uh, November and December. That's when I really like to record, record, record. Yeah, and I I think that's how a lot of um you know a lot of artists do it because you know that's that's a good time to kind of be inside and working on stuff you know when we're getting into winter and then 
be able to, to tour during the nice weather and whatnot. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, listen, that's that's really cool. I was uh, excited when uh, Reckless over here uh, told me about the show uh, that you've got coming up up here, and it, it sounds like it's probably going to sell out, but there's still some tickets available. Yes, sir. Uh, the tickets in my bio at DJREKLSS on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in your bio too, right? If it's not, I'm going to put it in there. Yeah, it's, sure. it's everywhere. Yeah. I just posted it. So anyone that's listening, you know, head over to my Instagram page. It's on there. You know, it's it's going to be a great show. There's very few tickets left. I can't stress that enough. Get your tickets now. They're $40. It's going to be a great night, dude. It's going to be awesome. A lot of local openers, too. So, like, come support. It's There's all local people. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, hey, Millie's. It, it's nice to uh, meet you, uh, you know, over the phone. And I appreciate you calling into the show. And uh, yeah, I, good to meet y'all too, for sure. Yeah, I will see you Sunday, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, Millie's. All right, take care. Bye bye. All right, very good. I uh, I tried to search quickly to see if I could find a radio edit of that track, yeah, hopeless, but I couldn't find I one. Have, but... My bad. No, that's okay. I mean, this you know, this all came about kind of last minute anyway. Yeah, dude. We... I hit up his manager. I was like, yo. Can we make this happen? He's like, yeah. I thought it was manager was calling. I didn't think he was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. He hits me up at four. Yeah, Millie's will be calling. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. So my anxiety just went through the roof, bro. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. No, that's great. That's great. Finally, a guest that hasn't bailed on me. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, true. You dude. have you have tried to book. I've had so many people bail on me, man. <laughs> it's like, what? Mm, well, you know, that's all right. That's all right. As you uh, as you move further and further in your career, uh, it'll be a higher and higher priority for those you interact with mm-hmm. to want to do more with you. And uh, and you'll find that uh, people, the more successful you are, the more reliable people will want to be when dealing with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And like <laughs> I, like I said from the beginning, I just do this all for fun. I do it for my city, man. Like I just want I want the scene up here to grow. Yes. I want the scene up here to be like it was before COVID. And it's going to take a little bit, but we'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. We got the people, you know, we, the people out here are some of the best I've ever seen. Like Friday night, I did my show. When I say it was crazy to hear 300 something people to sing back to you. Oh yeah. It was my jaw dropped, bro. I was like, this is insane. What? <laughs> Yeah, that's excellent. Also, not to mention the fact that I went viral in that marshmallow mask. Oh, yes. I dressed yes. up as the, D- as the DJ Marshmallow Man, and all over people's Snapchats and Instagram, that's all I saw. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, they don't even know it was me. Now, did you keep the mask on while you were DJing? No, I couldn't see anything. So what okay. I ended up doing was going downstairs, changing it, like putting the mask on and coming back up. And no one realized it was me until I said something or took it off to do something. Then everyone realized it was me. Yeah. So the whole gag was over at that point. Mm. But it was fun. Mm. I admire your commitment. See, that's that's part of why I never, you know, I not to. I mean, I like Halloween. I, I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon about it, but I'm, I've never really been into dressing up because I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to commit to it. Like it seems like the few times in my life as an adult, anyway, that I have dressed up for Halloween, mm-hmm. I ended up. Uh, geez, I remember I, I was in a band once where we played a Halloween show and we all dressed up, and I was wearing a mask, and I ended up I couldn't get through the show with the mask on. 
Um, it was just a, a face mask. I don't even remember what the hell it was, like some generic monster or something. And I was just, you know, and I'm on stage and I'm all like all sweaty and I'm like, oh, I got to get this mask off. So I just, you know what? I just didn't have the commitment to, to, to get through it. Come on down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Hi, Matt. This is Tracy from Nashua. How are you? Tracy from Nashua? Uh... Listen, I need to get uh, down to the courthouse because I'm suing Matt and Christian and uh, the radio station, <laughs> and I'm suing uh, the Elm Street, Manchester, New Hampshire, everything. Yeah, I'm sorry. I uh, uh, This is Tracy from Nashua. Um, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I am an elected official with emotions, and I wanted to ask if you got that uh, envelope that I sent you uh, that had 8.5 by 11 photographs. Because I sent you a, a, an envelope to the station, and it should have um, <laughs> oh, no. photographs. They're eight and a half by eleven. Because I like to have bigger things. Uh, there should be a picture of Dick Van Dyke. There should be a picture of Dick Cavett. There should be a picture of Dick Sargent. There should be Dick York. There should be Dick Nixon. Dick Cheney. I wanted to send you eight and a half by eleven pictures of famous dicks. Uh, yes, and I I did get that, and I I didn't understand uh, I, I didn't understand what it was, but uh, uh, thank you uh, thank you for that. I I you know I I feel very. Oh, you're getting a call. Are you are you calling someone? Nine one one. What is your emergency? Listen, I I need to get to Little Caesars Pizza. Um, it's it's it's. Oh, I have anxiety. Um. Anyway, yeah. I I also want to point out. People keep saying. That I, I make fraudulent nine uh, eleven calls. Uh huh. I don't know what people are talking about. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know anything about at any of that. Travis, do you have any of those phones? Travis, my name is Tracy. What? Travis, I, the, the credit cards—they're not working anymore. Do we have any more of those credit cards? I don't know what these people are talking about. Wow. Well, I just want to tell you that what is you, going on, gentlemen. If that's what I'm going to say, uh, you little boys, uh-huh, uh-huh. I am going to be suing you. Well, that's uh, that's, uh, that's very difficult to hear, uh, Tracy. Uh, I'm 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 sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm not sure what we've done, but uh, uh, you know, you are falsifying stuff about me and things that I do. I don't know what you're talking about. I have. <laughs> I have multiple phones that just keep di- like I'm not even touching this phone and it's calling nine one one. I'm sorry for calling. Listen, I need to get down to the Pheasant Lane Mall. I'm protesting. I need to get down there. Yeah. Oh, I have angina. That's what I have, an angina. Because now I'm a woman. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well, 
Tracy, uh, I I don't know what to say other than good luck with everything. Uh, you know, sounds like you got a lot going on. I am a global media, and this is, I'm a little upset because I was listening just a, a few minutes ago, and I, I'm hearing that uh, 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 this reckless boy is having a big rap show. Yes. Doesn't he understand that I have a global radio station? I am a media mogul. I am the most important person out there. I am a human with emotions. That is a good question. Did you know this, uh, DJ Reckless? About and uh, how is he getting these type care. of artists? <laughs> they should be calling my show. They should be on my global internet. You gotta have hair to do that. Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just going to my make guys sure only talk you know, to people with hair. I, everything I do is big because I have the biggest one out there. Huh. And I'm just, I'm going to tell you, There's I'm running my campaign. I'm running my campaign, and people have been upset with me because I use public enemy. And everybody's like, public enemy? So everybody assumes that I'm playing Fight the Power. But no, my campaign song is 911 is a joke. Oh, wow. Gee, I don't know. And I'm done with you fellas. Goodbye. <laughs> wow. Wow, that He's was also, uh, that, that was... reckless kid is also 20 and <laughs> and and DJing in bars. Well, that, yeah. well no, I didn't, I didn't I didn't hear Tracy say anything about that. Well, that's uh I think she did one day. Apparently, he did. That's our new uh friend uh Tracy from Nashua apparently. That was uh Wow, that was bizarre. I wondered what was up with that envelope. Yo, I was like, what? Yeah, boy, uh, that uh, that was something. Uh, you just never, it's live radio, my friends. You just never know who might call. Uh, uh, Tracy reminds me of someone, but I, I can't quite uh, place it. Pro- yeah, me neither. Probably yeah. someone we don't talk about. What a busy Monday. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Uh, this is New Hampshire's worst nightmare. Oh, Wow. Right, I'm your worst nightmare. Hey, uh, I want to make fun of Mike a little bit. I have previous call of Mike. We have time for unintelligible garbage. That's your impression of Mike Sutter? I need some work. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, It no. was crap. Yeah. But thank you for your video this Great. weekend. Some people are just jealous. Oh, they yeah. don't have any talent. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Come on down to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. And uh, we have some folks with us in the studio. There he is at the news desk, the best entertainment reporter in the business. EZG Eric Gagnon joins us. I don't know if I'm better than Robert Dion. Wow. I don't know either. I was just being nice. Uh, let's see. Over in the uh, over in the corner, hanging out with the giant cardboard Peter Whitehead, Christian Lacoste. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty welcome, good. welcome. Your last time on the show was uh, quite uh, eventful. Quite eventful. Quite eventful. Uh, yeah. 
Yes, let's, indeed. Let's hope for a nice, calm show tonight. Yes, EZG needs a nice, calm show. I've been praying, Eric, all, I've praying all day for it. Eric, I hope you get that, but... um, Can't promise anything. I can't True, promise anything. it is anything. unleashed for a reason. It is unleashed for a reason, yes. And joining us for the first time in studio on the couch, that is Tony V, a.k.a. Mr. Voorhees. How are you, sir? You already know what it is. That's right. Well, I do now. I, EZG, though, now. EZG might still be confused. <laughs> I have a feeling if I find... Oh, yeah. Is there a show after us today? I believe so, yes. Of course, the Weekly Dion coming up live at uh, 6 p.m. here at WMNH. Texas Mike knows the schedule before you sometimes. I've noticed Yeah, we're like two minutes into the show. Oh, hey, Ron. Get ready. We have a call. Hello. This is Jasmine. (laughs) Hey, Jasmine. How are you? Good. Decided to call in. Yeah, well, nice to hear from you. I, I hear you uh, interviewed EZG recently. She did. Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Where do we find that online? I want to check that out. <laughs> yeah. Definitely should. Where do we uh, Where do we find it, Jasmine? Um, go on my Facebook profile. Okay. That's where I do the interviews. Did you uh, did you share that out already? Yeah. Okay. Good. That was good. quick. Was he your what, what? Was he a great guest for you? Huh? Was EZG? Was he a great guest? Was he scintillating and fascinating <laughs> and all that you hoped he would be? Oh boy. <laughs> I think we have a bad connection, Jasmine. I think what, we do. Let's, let's uh, we'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk later. Thank you for calling. All right. <laughs> Dude, she was like, it shouldn't call in. 406, she's like, all right, let's go. So our friend Veronette uh, connected us with uh, our new friend, uh, Tony V. And uh, what have you got? You've got, uh, actually, I think uh, more than one show coming up here in the area, right? Up yeah, this I, got, <clears throat> I got a show on the 13th at the 603 Bar and Grill right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, it's the Work It Wednesdays. We're having like a twerk contest and... All kinds of good good artists coming out and doing some great stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, let me pull up that flyer for that real quick. <laughs> and then I got... Um, You're a DJ? No, I'm a hip-hop artist. I'm a oh, performer. Yeah. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Um, nobody expects it when they look at me either. I love it. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> but then uh, October 27th, I'm opening a show for Ouija Mac at the Jewel Nightclub here in Manchester as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Good, good. How long have you been doing that, man? Uh, performing or just doing music? It's performing, yeah. Performing for about seven years or so, eight wow. years. I, I, I would never guess look, look, when I came in the room. I would never guess that you were doing that. No. He was just saying that, actually, that uh, no, <laughs> people are always surprised. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, wait, you rap? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, let me hear something. And then I always bust something out. And they're like, wow, you're actually really good. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, I really like that uh, that track that we opened with, uh, Fear 2020. I really yeah. like that a lot. That's uh, that's really good. And, um, you know, you've got a lot of stuff online, um, a lot of music. Uh, of course. Wh- where are you from, Tony? Originally, I'm from Massachusetts, but I was born in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wisconsin, wow. Yeah. Um, how long have you been uh, in, in Mass? Did you grow up in Mass? Or? Yeah, for mo- well, mostly New England. Like, I just moved here from Maine. I was in Maine 19 years. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm 37 wow. now, so when I was 18, um, I didn't want to live in Mass no more, man. I didn't want to. I wanted to make it to 30. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's how I looked at it. I was like, well, my wow. cousin's been shot, and... You know, my other cousin's been stabbed, and this person's happening. I, I just, I didn't want to deal with it. So, and I know, you know, Massachusetts is great. Don't get me wrong; I'm not down on it, but yeah, it's not very safe. And uh, so, I figured if I ever wanted to have kids, Maine would be a better spot. So, I moved up there. And Maine is is 
pretty pretty safe. It was, yeah, and it's 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 slowly becoming. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say accessible, but it's becoming worse and worse. Really? Day, yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Sorry to hear that. It's just yeah, everything's moving up there, and I mean, it's a matter of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before yeah. people find a different outlet, so. Uh, hey, I, uh, this is Jasmine again. Uh, my phone decided to be really mean to me and yeah. disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty bad uh, connection before, but uh, but yeah, I look forward to checking out your interview with our friend EZG. Oh well, um, I don't, I didn't, I have a scheduled interview unless I did and I didn't know it. <laughs> Uh, EZG claims that uh, well, I don't know if it was really an interview. We're just kind of talking back and forth. Oh, oh, oh! You were just now talking he back and forth on his story. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't know if it was really an interview. Right, right. I'm be, honest, be honest with everyone. Did, uh, Jasmine, did you discuss? Uh, because we all know he'll never <laughs> admit it, but uh, we all know it's obvious to look at him. Did you discuss EZG's use of anabolic steroids? Uh, we, I, don't think, I don't think we this did. This girl sounds like she's like 18 and doesn't even. I, I don't. Do you know what anabolic steroids are? <laughs> I have no. I, I didn't. I know. Okay, me neither. All right, so we're 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 on the same page. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, for, I forgot to talk about that stuff, man. Yeah. Well, it's probably just as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless your doctor is prescribing that for you. No. Why? Uh. Why? Why was it important to you, Jasmine, to have a conversation with EZG? Do you like his muscles? <laughs> Oh boy! No, I don't. Okay. I like his personality. Oh, there you go. That's Very what nice. Very nice. You know what? You know what? EZG, she likes you for you. Wow! Can you believe it? That's great. Yeah, most of the ladies they, they like your muscles. She likes you for you. Yeah. That's what they all say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's very nice. Okay. Oh boy! Yeah, you think, yeah it, was, it was funny because you know he started talking and stuff, and it was like. Oh my god! Like he—he—he's like, like he's one of the first people I've talked to from New Hampshire uh-huh. and stuff. So like, he kind of gave me hope that oh my god, there's actually really cool people in New Hampshire. No, no, no! Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself, <laughs> yeah, that, please. That's, that's, yeah, that's false. Saying. That's very false. Where are you from? What? Where are you from? I'm from New Hampshire. Oh, okay. I live in Merida. All right, so yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. She's in Meredith. Oh, yeah, you know the White Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> far, far away. It's a little inside. Yeah, yeah it's real important. Jasmine doesn't know that joke. He said, "Far, far away." <laughs> That's right. Uh, Dirk Don of Arrogant Media is in the chat room, and uh, he says, "Dare Jasmine to interview me? Would you like to interview Dirk Don from Arrogant I, Media?" I, I oh, that'd be quite a, that'd be quite a catch, John. Yeah, sure. Why not? Tell him to connect with me. All right, Dirk. No, tell me. He can yeah, hear you. Shoot me a message on Messenger. There you go, Dirk. Make sure you uh, message Jasmine on Messenger. There you go. Yes. Yes. Wow. Very good, Christian. I have a question. I know I know Matt interviewed you. How old are you? Are you, t- are you asking me? Yes, I know that's rude to ask female, but, you know, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm 21 years old. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> welcome welcome to, the, welcome to the show. Finally, someone close to my age that is on the show. Yeah, true. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. What are you yes. trying to say? Good point. <laughs> Tony, that's enough. <laughs> oh my! Well, yeah, someone from Christian's peer group—that is so nice. 
All right, Jasmine. Thank you so much for the call, my friend. We appreciate it. Not a problem. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, Jasmine, uh, uh, we had her on the show last Tuesday, and she was saying apparently she's been listening for the last five years. Oh, wow. So she is a longtime fan. And I always, I, I told her last day, I said, you never know who's listening. That's, that is true. That is very true. Busy show. Busy wow. show. Yo. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up? Tony D. Tony D. Now, uh, are, you, uh, are you related to Tony V at all? No, probably no, not. No, no. Are you no, sure? Not to you could, you sure could be di- not from, not from Mass. You could be distant cousins. Well, I have family that's all over the place. See? Wow. See? Yeah. Got that? Fa- you got family in Philly? I do actually. Wow. <laughs> See? You guys are probably there related. I literally, I, I have family spanning all across. Like my mother's in California. I wow. got family in Puerto Rico. Obviously, I got family in Wisconsin. I got family in Mass. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow, all over the place. <coughs> all over the place. <coughs> all right, Tony D from Philly. Wow. Easy G and I, we're sitting here with Tony V, a.k.a. Mr. Yeah, Voorhees. I got a question for Tony V. You know what it is, right? I do know what it is, yes. Okay. Hey, they, 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 you, I always ask the people that are performers, that, I don't know why I ask this question, but <laughs> bizarre. Have you ever played it in that before the borders were closed in Canada? Negative. I, I haven't performed out of the country yet. All right. I have had offers. I know right now it's it's difficult to go back and forth because of the COVID restrictions now. Right, right. I've had offers to play in Canada. Actually, the guy I was telling you about that's on that Uprising song. Really? uh, One of his family members owns a bar out there or something. And then uh, my friend of mine in Maine who I took under my wing and now call my nephew, he has family in Canada. He's like not – I don't know if he's a dual citizen or if he's like a dual citizen or whatever. There you go. He, his uncle owns uh, a couple of bars and clubs out there, and they want oh. me to come out. And I've had people in West Africa try to get me out there and wow. stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not. You just do it for the passion. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to go out of country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've never been out of the country. But um, I think ultimately, if I do that, it would be like the UK or Australia or something like that, somewhere I want to go. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to go to West Africa. <laughs> and it's nothing yeah. against Africa in any way. It's just I don't, I don't want to go to West Africa. I have no need to go there. You know, maybe yeah. eventually I'll have an interest in it, but at this point, I don't. By the way, so where does the name now? Uh, obviously, I mean Tony Voorhees is not your real name. Where does that right. come from? Um, so I actually had this conversation with with Renette. Yes, last night. Um, was, yeah, last night uh, while we were eating. And um, so I used to go by just Tony V. Mm-hmm. And the reason I went by Tony V is because everybody called me Little Vega because my stepfather's name, his last name is Vega. Wow. And uh, my I, I didn't really have like a great relationship with my real father, my birth father growing up. Yeah. So he was my dad. You know what I mean? Um, so for the longest time, I just connected with him. So I went around. And everybody was like, oh, it's a little Vega, a little Vega. So Tony V kind of just stuck oh, okay. as a name. And then, um, I don't know, my sister might kick me in the throat for telling you guys this. But me and her <laughs> ended up getting into it, one of my little sisters, because we never had the greatest relationship growing up. We're good now. Like we, we, we definitely had sibling rivalry growing up Yeah, and she was like the whole, you know, that's my dad, not yours. So like I dropped the Vega and I just stuck with the Tony V and everybody always asked me, what's the V stand for? What's the V stand for? And I'd say stupid stuff. Like, you know, it's all, it stands for vicious or it stands for viral or it stands for, you know, vernacular or something, just something random, a V word. And, um, my buddy was like, no, it should stand for Voorhees. 
Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. 